Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. My name is DJ, standing in for our fearless leader, Solly. Uh, all the boys are out at Band and Dunes, uh, so we're bringing you... Uh, I don't want to say the next best thing, so we'll just say the next thing. KV twice, Kevin Van Van Valkenburg. Good morning, Kevin. Greetings. How are you? Good morning, DJ. We are the designated survivors. In case you know someone nukes Band and Dunes or it just falls off into the sea, we are uh, carrying the flame. Or, or in case that so. massive you know earthquake hits the Pacific Northwest. You ever read that That's New Yorker true. piece about that? Oh my God. I think I've mentioned the Catherine Schultz piece multiple times on uh, various podcasts of uh, NLU origin. So if you haven't read it uh, and you really want to stay up late at night, like fearing for the, you know, the end of time, uh, basically go, go check it out. Uh, I'll, I'll, we can throw a link under the, the pod when this goes, but what truly one of the best New Yorker. And if you're Solly, Neil, Tron or Randy or anybody that's at banded with them, I, I would wait till you, Wait till you leave. Don't don't yeah. read it now. Don't don't read yeah, that yeah. on the plane until you're leaving. Uh, so save that one. And let's let's get some business done here. Uh, Kevin, are you searching for the secret to making green on the green? Look no further, my friend, than the moneymaker golf shoe from Quater by Travis Matthew uh, to take your game to the next level. I think Solly is deep, deep into this scene. I'm sure he's got multiple pairs with him out at Bandon right now uh, with a versatile athletic style. The moneymaker delivers the tech features. You need in a golf shoe. Kevin, I can't wait to ask you about your uh, golf shoes. You just got back from Bandon, so your feet are probably very, very achy. Maybe less achy with the moneymaker from uh, from Travis Matthew. Uh, elevated style that you'll actually want to wear. Lightweight, waterproof, and stain-resistant, the moneymaker is constructed with a versatile, spikeless bottom for plenty of traction no matter the course conditions. Not only is the moneymaker Quater's best-selling golf shoe, but it is also available in four colorways. Uh, this is my favorite part. Don't believe, don't take my word for it. Don't believe us. Ask John Rahm and Sam Burns, two of the top-ranked golfers in the world who wear Quater footwear. Uh, with the moneymaker, you'll find the perfect balance between premium performance and elevated style. Visit Quater.com today to find the moneymaker and other best-selling Quater styles, including the spiked ringer and recently released light gray and blue nights colors. Uh, and also, if you're if you're going to go check that out, use code NLU20 to get 20% off your first purchase. That is Quater.com, C-U-A-T-E-R.com. Use the code NLU20 to get 20% off. Kevin, I'm, I'm going to set this up. I think this was kind of the uh, one of the more lackluster in, in a good way, kind of the, one of the more peaceful, uneventful weeks in the, in the world of golf that we've had for quite a while. Very, very little news on the live golf front. Uh, we didn't have any majors. We didn't have Jordan Spieth winning any tournaments. What's, you know, what, what's your, uh, what's the state of play right now in the, in the world of golf? How are you, how you feeling? Good about it. I feel like everything needs a, a little bit of an ebb and flow, right? If you, if everything is great, then <laughs> nothing is great. Right. I, I remember, uh, this is just maybe a tortured analogy, but seeing the first Lord of the Rings in the theater uh, years ago and after the sort of long, you know, departure from the Shire, like it was just like 
action at like a level eight for like two and a half hours and eventually i was like oh wow like this is just a lot and you kind of was any uh narrative storyteller knows you need sort of rises and falls in uh in emotional things so probably a good thing that we have a uh, kind of a week where you can either be into it or you can ignore it and uh you know i think uh we probably were into it just the right amount this week uh, just to sort of you know in passing enjoy it just enough i think uh sent like one tweet about the entire tournament uh this week so that uh I yeah you good. know i feel like we were mostly checked out we had the proverbial eagles come pick us up off the mountain and uh just really really brought us in for uh, a nice little sunday of uh of golf watching you took the lord of the rings metaphor just right out of my mouth i mean that's exactly where i was going as well so <laughs> patrick cantlay and xander shoffley are your wire to wire winners at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, what's the takeaway from the week for you? What what, what was your uh, what was your feeling watching the tournament this week? Uh, I think my feeling is Xander and uh, Patrick are if kind of exactly what you would sort of put out there if you were like a critic of golf and you were like, oh, it's all like kind of just boring dudes with no personalities. And if you are like, I think follow it a little bit more closely. Uh, I think. Cantley is like a pretty smart, interesting guy, really actually pretty good interview when, uh, he, you know, he's asked interesting questions and Xander certainly like pretty smart guy as well, but they don't project a lot of, uh, energy or, uh, charisma, uh, certainly on the golf course. And so if you wanted to point to like a reason why non-golf people will have a hard time, maybe getting into, uh, golf sometimes, I think, uh, those two dudes are probably a pretty good example of like, Oh, it's just kind of some boring dudes who don't really uh, exude much emotion on the course. Uh, I still can't figure out Xander in general, whether he is kind of someone who should be praised for kind of always being, you know, pretty good or whether that is somehow a flaw. I hate to get like hot takey, you know, like some where you sort of, Oh, like this guy's not a winner, but you know, on some level, isn't that why we sort of, have jobs in sports is because we we're able to sort of discuss uh what inherent thing it is inside someone that allows them to kind of crush all others who who are trying for the same thing so i don't know if it if it does anything it is look how long has it been since xander won a tournament like 2018 uh, 2019 kapalua i believe yeah 2019 so good i guess to see him get in the winner's circle again I, you know feels a little bit flawed in the sense of maybe you know maybe that's a, a great a spot for xander to be is just always be good in team events need someone else to kind of lift him up over the hump uh sometimes i feel that way about my own golf game because i'm much better in team pairings than i am uh, in my in individual uh, I, I did have a little bit of of that feeling as well just uh you know the zurich we'll, we'll get into kind of the the pros and cons of of the zurich and the team event in a minute but uh looking at the leaderboard i'm kind of I was kind of drawn to the the Xander specifically uh, up there, just in like, oh, okay, I I could talk about this. This guy has you know, kind of no showed in in events for quite a while, hasn't gotten over the hump, uh, and you know now suddenly does it with a partner. At least you know, at least there's a little bit of uh, hot takey substance to to go along with that. And you know, looking through his wins, I mean, it's it's uh, I think five wins now, five or six wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, a lot of them are. I won't say weird events, but, you know, the Tour Championships, the 30-man events, the HSBC mm. in China is kind of a weird event. The Kapalua is another 30-ish, 35-person event. Uh, and now we have a team win, which, 
you know, juxtapose that with kind of, uh, I think, I, really, I was trying to trying to wrap my head back around like why, why is there the Z- the Xander hype, right? Because it, it doesn't seem like we've seen all that much uh, over the last you know couple years, other than you know we have the Olympics, which is its own kind of weird wrinkle. We have we just have all these things where he always kind of seems like he's in the picture without actually you know being the dude. I don't know the, the last time we've we've seen him really like kick the goddamn door down and just be the dude. And I think reminding myself that he's played in 19 majors and he's top 10 in nine of them. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from, right? Is, is it, it just had so much, he has had so much promise and, and not that he hasn't delivered on this. Cause I mean, you know, nine top tens in majors is big game hunter stuff. It's just, uh, it's a really, really weird career made even weirder by yeah. a weird team win today. Uh, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting for me to think about this is that he doesn't have any like spectacular disasters, right? They, like there's no thing where like he was going to win a major, maybe the, the masters against right. Hideki where he, he hit it in the pond on 16 is kind of the closest to this, but it's kind of just a lot of like weird slow fades uh, where he's just kind of like, you think, Oh, at the start of the day, I remember when he and Spieth were tied at the start of the day at the, uh, the feeds, the waste management. And I would remember like, texting you something that day like oh my god it looks like xander is like the iron byron compared to like a guy like trying to ride a unicycle (laughs) and speed like there's no way that speed is gonna like and they both kind of you know they both didn't win that day brooks i think ended up winning that day but it was like xander was just kind of like a boring non-factor it was just like kind of bunch of pars but you know you have bogey here and there like nothing ever particularly interesting and it almost i think we almost have like more sympathy or expectations for guys who like get really close and then just completely collapse in like the, the moment. Uh, and I don't know. It just seems to me like that's a little bit of Xander. Like he never makes it, it never makes me feel anything deeply. And so that's probably why I feel indifferent towards some of his like career prospects. Like I, this, I'm not, not like Ricky Fowler or like someone like that who has made me feel like both highs of like, Oh, the God, the players are so exciting in 2017 when he won or like, man like he really you know laid a huge egg at aaron hills like there is no moment like that for xander other than maybe the masters but hideki was probably gonna win that anyway so i didn't really feel that uh connection so i I guess that's my feeling is it's like hey just do something that makes me feel one way or another whether i totally need to get behind you and like be like a xander guy or like be like the anti-xander guy it kind of seemed like he was nuking people for a while in the in the press room remember he was it was a very short-lived very short-lived uh, kind of expedition he was on, but it felt like he was going to be the guy who was just airing people out for a while. I think he got very yeah. chippy after the you know the CT testing stuff, and uh, yeah. I could have embraced that that Xander in a in a big way, but mm-hmm. you know that seems to have calmed down. I, I I'm sure as somebody who writes uh, profiles for a living, you you could also have uh, a bit of your your brain screaming like why would anybody ever talk to the media about anything yeah uh so i get i get why he feels that way but it's just a it's a weird it's a weird spot man it's a weird spot to be my friends and i were talking they're all most of them are journalists i just went on a golf trip with them and we were talking about like why would you ever tell anything to a journalist like if a journalist just wanted to write about me and was like, Hey, can I talk to your parents? I'd be like, Oh, yeah, no, sorry, ex- exactly. Like, Absolutely not. <laughs> definitely not. Actually, I didn't Who have you, any Am I being detained? Like, no, if, I, if I'm not being detained, <laughs> I'd like to go. Um, no, it is like credit to the people who are willing to open up to journalists, uh, obviously, because that's a big part of my job. But 
I think the unfortunate realities of the media uh, sort of universe is that even if I write like an interesting, like say I wrote a really interesting profile about Xander, and I think we've both been a little bit fascinated by his father, sure. who's this like kind of mythic figure uh, who, you know, trained this sort of champion and, uh, you know, didn't speak a lot of English and was like using all these kind of Earl Woods type methods, but like filtered through like the German sound machine. Uh, it's, I would love to write about that and about Xander, but it also inevitably like that could be easily used against him. And maybe even we would make a bunch of jokes about like Stefano being kind of, you know, kind of crazy. And uh, so I get why some athletes are super private because it's not just like Kevin Van Valkenburg of ESPN is writing this for an ESPN audience. It then becomes like the property of everyone. And that's a weird place for extremely, it. extremely. And then I think on the other side of the coin, you have Cantlay, which I think we could run back a lot of the stuff that we just said. I mean, he obviously has gotten into contention recently a lot more and lost in a playoff last week. And I think he's finished in the top 10 and half of his starts this year or something. And so it's, it's kind of a weird feeling where, you know, I, I feel, I feel a bit of uh, a tinge of, of happiness, I think for both of these guys, right? Like they're, they seem like, Seem like good dudes, well-liked, obviously exorbitantly talented, uh, and it's cool to see them break through and get a win. Winning is hard, all that. Uh, but also, the Zurich feels a little weird, and uh, I, I don't know really how to square how to square those two things. You know, I don't know if you felt any of that. A little bit. I just don't know. I mean, I've always, like, I'm a big advocate of alternate shot because I think it's, like, a really cool format. And then, like, this tournament comes around, and, like, I – don't really like make it appointment viewing so i feel a little bit hypocritical about that it's like oh yeah this is such a cool format and then i'm like oh yeah whatever i, I know, was right? joking so with uh <laughs> i was on the shotgun start with andy johnson filling in earlier this week and i, I was kind of uh saying the same thing where I, I feel like uh this is kind of the tournament that like for better or worse made me kind of stop suggesting ideas Right where I'm just you know five six seven years ago you know what they need to fucking do they need to have a team event <laughs> everybody would love that and then I watch it and it's just like was it Scott Guchevsky and DA points like uh, I I'm gonna I think I'm just gonna go outside and and read a book or something I don't I do not need to watch this yeah I mean like on some level I was just thinking this today like oh, wouldn't it be cool when Justin Lower was in contention I was like wouldn't it be awesome if like you know, every like PGA tour, like player who had status had to like play with that with someone without stats, you know? So it'd be like a, Hey, lift up somebody who, you know, wh whoever gets that win is suddenly going to it mean that much more to them. It'd be like a really cool story, but like, I, you can't really force the players to sort of, you know, pick out somebody on the corn ferry tour. It's kind of like, like the uh, Ryan know, Palmer make, make a wish exception. Uh, you know, he always, <laughs> always gets paired with uh, John Rob Spieth now Scotty Scheffler. Uh, yeah. Same, same idea there. What a what a hustle! Unbelievable, man. I love it. Unbelievable. You know, you can't. It's uh, yeah. I, I would. It shows you like if you're kind of like a middling career vet. You know, I think that's a fair way to describe Ryan Palmer. Like, never not bad, but never good. That like, be nice to the rookies, man. Be nice to like the young kids coming up. Like, embrace them. Be a little mentoring, and then maybe you can get like a five more year exemption at the, at the Zurich or I guess two years with the US. two years, uh, $1.4 million going to each of the winners, uh, and 400 FedEx cup points going to each of the winners, which again, it just, it's, it's just a weird event. None of that is necessarily offensive. I guess it just feels, feels weird for an event with, uh, what, what feels like very, very little juice, but 
maybe that's just me opining too much yeah. but if this was an event where i think we've talked a lot about where if women were involved like if it was a uh you know lpga players playing with LPG, would it have more appeal to you would you be into it i, I want to say yes i would for sure that's that's where i'm at too I, I, and you know fully conscious of what i just got done saying about how wrong i was about my my prediction for this team event uh i do think there's something interesting to seeing and you see it with with some of the teams i guess it it, it was uh, maybe even with the burns and horschel team a little bit where you have burns as kind of a you know swinging out of his shoes firepower let's make a million birdies and billy is kind of like a little bit more fairways and greens let's hit it to 20 30 feet and and you know hopefully roll in a couple uh but where you have like Xander and Cantlay playing pretty much the same game, I mean, there's there's some interest there. I think seeing you know mm-hmm. two guys try to figure it out together, but I think different like different playing styles would just be so much more interesting, right? And trying to figure out yep. who's teeing off on which hole, and you know which yep. holes favor which player, and can this person hit this shot into this green? Is this going to make sense? Like, God, sign me up for all of that, and and that's the you know. The comment we have been a broken record about with uh, regards to like the President's Cup is like, man, how much better would the President's Cup be if it was mixed, you know, mixed teams and you're pairing men and women together. And since that feels like a massive long shot, I think doing an event like this, like even just a one off calendar event would be so freaking cool. Yeah, I suppose that the counter argument of the golf kind of establishment would be, well, you know, then you're taking away x number of spots from the last 75 people on the list for, for on both the lbga and the pj right like so that yeah but do you want me, you do you want me to read you some of those names like, of people in the field because it because it's do. really tough it's really <laughs> tough man they're like this is you know no as always no offense to anybody but it's uh there were there were some teams in here where it's almost like uh um like a multiplier effect when you see two anonymous people on a team you're just like man who the fuck are all these yeah. people it's it's tough. It, it's not a good field. It's not a good field, and, and could, it almost kind of like I, I definitely lays bare yeah. even more. Like, ugh. All right, maybe we can thin the herd a little bit. The death panel, like death panel, might need list, to make a stop yeah. at the Zurich Classic next year. This is dangerous territory to like wade into, but like just looking over the list, like I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry to this man, but I've never heard of Joseph Bramlett who played with Maverick McNeely and. I have not heard of Austin Smotherman, who played with our sure. boy Harry Higgs. I have not heard of Paul Barjon, who played with Tom Hoagie. <laughs> I don't think I've heard of either Jarrett Wolf or Seth Reeves, who shot five under. Just, yeah, uh, you know, like a lot of dudes who obviously they're great. They're they're probably better at their profession than I am in mine. Uh, so it's maybe disrespectful to be like I ain't ever heard of you, but. Wow, like that's a lot of people who I, you know, are bringing a lot of eyeballs to the uh, to this. Event, I yeah, right? I agree, and I mean it's you got to I guess give credit to you know I, I think Xander and Cantlay playing the event and pairing up together is ultimately awesome, right? I mean that's good on them for mm-hmm. being two top ten, top twelve players and you know really like leaning into this thing and embracing it and and matching up same obviously with Morikawa and Hovland they seem like they had a blast and and that's kind of the thing about this event is when you do talk to guys about it I mean they the the players like almost to a man that I've spoken to 
love this event. Like they have a legitimate blast. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. more of an existential, you know, question about how much does the promote like the tour promote things that players really like versus things that fans really like, but I mean, I guess if it's yeah. if it's a one or a zero, right? Like is this event good for the PJ Tour or bad for the PJ Tour? I probably tend to lean towards it's a one and it's it's a good mm-hmm. change of pace and you know, yeah. it's fun to watch the back nine and it's fun to watch guys play alternate shot for, you know, I, I can do it for about an hour and a half. It's great. But the idea of yeah. watching it on like Thursday, Friday when I got nothing else to do is is yeah. no thanks. It's like the potential is there for I mean, imagine if this existed in like two thousand and two and you could have gotten like a you know tiger and deval team paired against ernie and adam scott or something like that like you know not you know like down the stretch that, that would have been like huge because that's basically what all they the battle bighorn and all that stuff that they ended up creating was kind of intending and so the intent is is good and it's there it's just like you know for the most part the bigger stars aren't kind of aren't that interested i, I will say scotty Scheffler continues to have one of the more interesting post-masters like victory tours around like he participates in this event like he doesn't do any of the late night talk show stuff like you know there's i i I guess i don't tune in quite as much to sports illustrated and stuff like that but like it didn't seem like he sat down for any kind of big like magazine profile or anything after that happened it's like basically god shuffler seems like kind of the same dude except for that he won like he's just kind of hanging out at home that's exactly kind of how i think i would would long for it to be had i you know if I if I ever win the Masters, uh, I'll, this, I'll probably take. Yeah, well, I'm going to hold you to that. Okay, well, you know, I mean, it's going to be hard not to not to go on some of the shows. Uh, yeah, um, well, maybe do one, one for you, one for them, kind of a kind of a situation. Yeah. It depends on if I still work for ESPN while I win the Masters. Like, right? ABC then it's a would whole, yeah, exactly. push for me to be on Kimmel. And, it's a whole you know, vertical a whole, integration thing that you'd have yeah, to deal well, with. You gotta you gotta cross promote. Totally. Things. I think some of it too has to do with just we talk about this with all the PGL conversation and everything and just the way the tour is structured for the tour to do anything mildly innovative is just, it's just like really not going to happen. Right. Because there's just so many shareholders and so many people to keep happy and so many playing opportunities to create and all of those things to where, you know, this is about as outside the box as they've gotten probably in, in my time of covering pro golf. Right. And it still just kind of winds up as like this, you know, milk toast down the ro- middle of the road. Uh, you know, nobody's really happy. Nobody's really offended uh, mm-hmm. kind of product. And and I don't know. Like I said, is it is it more good than it is bad? I would say yes. But is it, you know, changing my life? Probably not. And then I guess the flip side of that coin is also, I mean, these things take years and years and years to really, you know, gain any kind of foothold as some big sea change or some big tradition. And, and, you know, I guess you can't really expect it to be a smashing success, you know, five years in either. So it's, yeah. it just feels a little, it feels a little stuck. And, and I guess on that note, I mean, we are five years in, what do you, what do you think? Anything needs to, they need to change. They need to blow it up. Do they, is it something you look forward to tuning into? What, what are kind of your overall thoughts on it? I mean, the hard part is like, I, I would love to see a different course that was a little more interesting, but like, I also understand why, like New Orleans is one of my favorite cities in America. So like, do I want to sort of take this tournament away from New Orleans and basically say like, Hey, tough luck. Like I personally, who might only watch Saturday, Sunday would rather see you play at 
Chambers Bay or Paso Tiempo right. or like, you know, it, it, like literally almost anywhere. Uh, and I think that like the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, there's just like different priorities for different people. It's easy to say, well, this doesn't really fit my experience, but like also I'm discounting like whatever charitable benefits there are, you know, to having it for, and, and how much Zurich is only going to put up that money if it's held in New Orleans because they want to have a pro-am and they want to have, you know, the people who are coming out to sort of see it, they can schmooze with that. And that's, that's why it's so easy as a pundit to be like, ah, this is stupid. Let's change it. Well, you know, the realities of business are much more complicated than a bunch of dudes with a podcast could, could ever possibly fathom. Shit, shit's complicated, man. You know, and really, and if, if anywhere understands that, I'm, I think it's probably new Orleans. <laughs> No doubt. Uh, Can Ed Reed get in this? I mean, come oh, on. Like, would, that, that would make it exciting. Would watch. I do think, I mean, I, I ended up doing it. That's a big golfer, by the way. Oh, I know. Seen, you know. He lives still in Baltimore, still a member of a country club here. I, my, would be my dream to play golf with Ed. Ed, if you're listening and you want to play. Please reach uh, out. Have you read about it? Or that'd be awesome. We could definitely, or not write about it. We could just smoke big cigars. I think I, I told this story. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but uh, Tron and I were at the tour championship. God, this had to be like six, seven years ago now. And uh, we had left. We were there, both there with our wives. And Tron and I like stepped away to go get beers or something. Came back like 10, 15 minutes later. And uh, both of our wives are hanging out with this giant, giant dude. Uh, one of the foremost units just around. And they're like, oh, hey, this is our friend Ed that we just met. We're like, yeah, that's that's Ed Reed that you're nice. like hanging out with. Like, <laughs> Take yeah, he's just it was one of the truly like one of the most shocking shocking moments, the last person you expect to see. Uh, but what a what a nice guy and a massive golf fan. So totally, he was always you know threatening to sort of retire when I was on the Ravens beat uh, back when I was working with Baltimore Sun and and so I kind of he would never really sit for interviews uh, and you had to kind of like kind of corner him in some ways and he would like try to sneak out of the Ravens locker room and so I cornered him once and I was like Ed I hear you know, that maybe you're going to go to graduate school or whatever. And he was like, Kevin, somebody's lying about me. <laughs> Somebody is lying about me. They better not be talking about me. <laughs> yeah. That's what I always think about. Man. Ah, somebody's lying about me. All right. I don't know where we were, Kevin, but let's, uh, <laughs> that's a great segue into uh, Sam Burns, and Billy Horschel, your runners up. Uh, I, I had kind of a blast watching these guys today, despite what I was kind of saying about the uh, lackluster tournament. Uh, first of all, I don't know why I don't bet on Sam Burns every single time they play on Bermuda grass. It seems like he can't finish worse than about fifth uh, when they do. Uh, but also just Billy remains one of the foremost like cartoon characters around uh, every time you can't even like, they don't even have to try to mic him up. You can hear him anywhere he is on the entire golf course. Uh, and he just seems like he's like leaning into it even more than ever now. And he seems like even more comfortable in his own skin. And uh, it, it was uh, it was kind of a blast to watch those two today. Uh, what would be the equivalent of Billy Horschel in another sport? I was thinking about this, like someone who is not bad and is sort of, but is not like particularly like uh, hasn't accomplished a ton compared to sort of the, the reputation that he, or the attention that he uh gets warrants uh basically on golf twitter i mean like there's got to be nba players who are just you know 
I mean, like Draymond Green is like very outspoken and sort of kind of a troll in a lot of ways, but he he's also is on like, like championship teams. Yeah. Yeah. He's like championship teams and probably a legitimate Hall of Famer because he's so good at like one thing. Whereas Billy, you know, he, he had that amazing like FedEx Cup run, which like made us rethink the whole Ryder Cup picks thing, right. but he never, never has made a Ryder Cup team. Uh, I'd laugh every time I think about how he was like, well, I, I plan to win like four more times in my career and it's going to be the U S open, the masters, the British open and the PGA. Like that would, that's my goal. And I was like, mm, thank you. know, I mean, great good, goal. Good luck to you. Yeah. It's a great. And goal. just like, you know, apologizing to Augusta last year for his behavior, but then like doubling down on how like insane it is <laughs> to like launch your club into the sky. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe our friends at the shotgun start are responsible for like generally calling attention to the insanity that is Billy Horschel, but uh, I, he's very, very unique character. No doubt. No doubt. God, that's such a good question about the, the other sports. I feel woefully out of my depth because I've just poisoned my brain with nothing but golf over the last like 15 years. Uh, let me, let me think on that. I, I think we can come up with, I think we can come up with a good answer there. Uh, say what you will about him. Like, again, another one that I need to file away for this golf course. Like, dudes who are comfortable in New Orleans, it seems like, just just absolutely ball out here. And Billy seems like the foremost example of that. He won it by himself. He won it with a teammate. Could have, uh, you know, I don't want to say should have won, but had a, you know, a chance coming down the stretch today. Uh, just seems to absolutely love 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 this place uh which is you know i've mentioned that a couple times it's always always fun to see like a true horses for courses situation well it speaks to new orleans mentality in general right if you've ever been to new orleans like for the first time it's a very nerve-wracking place but if you're comfortable in your element like you can go everywhere you are you know you're you're going to the you're straying away from bourbon street you're going to the actual good spots you know you're you're digging deep into the new orleans life so so i know i'm not a massive I don't really subscribe to uh, where did it cross Twitter. Uh, it's one of my one of my foremost unsubscribes, I think. But you know, <laughs> I, I saw you I saw you tweaking the uh, tweaking tweaking that that subsection of Twitter out there today. What, what were your thoughts on the uh, the 16th hole? Yeah, boy, there's a lot more people who are into where did it cross Twitter than uh, you realize. I mean, I, I know Saul also uh, hates this because he gets into it regularly with the word across for people. But uh, yeah, so it was 15th hole, right? Uh, Burns tries to drive the green. Uh, it kicks off of the bank, goes into the water, looks like a real low sort of um, shot that doesn't, doesn't have any chance at all to bounce upwards. Horschel swears he sees it from 300 yards away. He was doing like the JFK shit out there. He's got yeah. like the Pythagorean theorem and like vantage points <laughs> and, you know, vanishing points on the horizon. And I wouldn't have been able to see it because of this and just fantastic audio that, that oh, got picked up there. Oh, does TV have it? I, I, oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I swear, I don't know, but I, I swear. I saw, I saw it, it bounce. bounce. Above the I saw it bounce. Yeah. You can't deny that. I mean, look, was it, I mean, maybe they make a bogey if they take it, but it wasn't that far back. They would have to take it, right? Like it, it clears the neck of the, fairway there and then crosses the water and then comes bounce back into water. I, I just, it seemed to me like a bit of a scummy drop in terms of like, if you think that there's like a chance that it hit below the hazard line, like the penalty that you're paying there is to drop at 280 as opposed to like 301 and being to chip up there and make par. Right. So you could still get up and down and, and basically ensure the, you're protecting the field in that sense. So, I mean, it, Sam interestingly had no like, he just sort of sat there as like a passive uh, 
rider in the whole thing. Billy was running the whole show. And, and Jason Day as well was there in kind of that situation of just like, Oh, I don't know, mate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, whatever, mate. It's just, it's, you know, it, could go, it could be anywhere. Just a lot of like, yeah, it's one of those situations where you, all, all you really, your only option is to just be like, yeah, I mean, like whatever you think, man, like, uh, you know, sounds good to me, I guess. Uh, just, just a really, really weird situation all the way through. It's like just a brief Amsterdam detour, but like, please, it did strike me as like, how, why are like the, the, the gentlemanility of golf makes it so hard for the announcers to be even mildly critical. Right. That's why Johnny was so valuable to all broadcasts, right? Because he was the one person who was unafraid to say like, I got real doubts about that drop. Like, right. you know, if you have any doubts, go back there. And there's no one left who does that. Like, it's just, they're all deferential. Like, oh, well, it's inconclusive. Who could say what? No, like, give me a, give me a what, take. What do you think? What do <laughs> yeah. you think? Yeah. I Look, if Phil ever like comes out of exile and, and is sort of allowed to be involved uh, in the booth, uh, that would, I think Phil would be a hundred percent the guy who would be like, I, you know, I got real doubts. And let me explain that. to you why, right? Exactly. Like, like I, I think the, he would love nothing more than to just lay it out for you. The angle of the ball plus the humidity in the air makes it impossible for that ball to, it would have kicked up. You know, that was, that would, Phil would give us a whole thesis, a whole dissertation on why there's no way that ball could have uh, kicked upwards and that it had to be dropped back. But, you know, whatever. I just, I just feels like to golf is the one sport where the, the people who are calling the action live are often afraid to be even mildly critical of it. Like Judy Rankin was one who was willing to do it. Now she's retired. Like Johnny was certainly one. We're, we're losing some of our, you know, badgers out there. No doubt. Need some, need some honey badgers uh, I, to go out there and get, get into it. I, I fully agree. And it, it is, you know, I know we're joking earlier about talking to the media, but it kind of comes from the same school though as well. Right. Where it's like, if these guys and gals are going to get jobs without saying anything critical i mean it's yeah. it's really hard to to understand why they would want to put themselves out on the the ledge unnecessarily right i mean i yeah. i was watching actually we'll get to the lpj stuff in a minute here but jerry foltz is still i think one of those guys who mm. who mm -hmm. says what he says what he means means what he says uh he had a great great call when uh nasa hatoka was playing the 13th hole just like i don't think there's any way she can do this this is unbelievable she's trying it and then she pulls the shot off and it like gives even more credence to like, he's the first one with his hand up. Like I did not think that was impossible. That just shows you what an unbelievable shot it was. Yep. Uh, and it just adds so much to the moment. So, you know, praising, praising the people that, that do do a good job out there, but I'm, I'm with you in that we could use a few more, but yeah, uh, obviously Brandel is one too, who will, of course. who will be, you know, and sometimes even, to like beyond the, where it, it seems like performative, but uh, love Brandel, appreciate uh, his takes in, in general. Um, but it, you know, it's it's just a hard hard thing to be. Maybe if I had constantly a producer in my ear telling me to knock it off, I would have a harder time being totally honest. But it's just in those situations, I don't want to like always defer to the people who are benefiting from the best possible ruling of this, right? Right. Well, I got a producer in my ear saying that we need to uh, take a quick break to do a read for Cash App. Cash App is the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. Send or request money from friends and family when they owe you money for dinner, etc. Kevin, I'm sure there was 
maybe a couple shekels uh, that exchanged hands out at Bandon oh, uh, at definitely. your trip. I would recommend using Cash App. Settle up those bets absolutely immediately. Uh, you can invest in stock with Cash App. You can buy Bitcoin with just a dollar. comes with a debit card. You can customize, and Cash App will laser print it and mail it directly to your home. Uh, it comes with free discounts on places you love called Boosts. Look for the little Cash App stickers when you're at your your coffee shop, things of that nature. Uh, and you can also use referral code no laying up, which gives new users $15. And Cash App will set aside $10 for each sign up to Youth On Course. We've mentioned this a bunch of times now. Each time you sign up for Cash App using the referral code no laying up, Cash App is not only going to give you $15, they're going to give $10 to a kid to go play a free round of golf. So, do that. That's great. Uh, basically, the more people use the code no laying up when registering, not only are you getting $15, you are helping support Junior Golf. Download the Cash app. And uh, Kevin, let's get back to it. You, uh, We were joking about this earlier in the week. And total aside here, we'll, I a couple more Louisiana things to get to. But uh, just because you mentioned Phil, what do you think Phil's doing right now? Wow. Teach. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to believe all the most insane theories about Phil. I want to believe that Phil has a ponytail <laughs> right now, <laughs> maybe a big beard, you know, looking like a sort of, you know, uh, uh, 60s hippie living in the village. Well, you know what uh, I'm, I'm picturing as you're saying this? You remember that epic photo when he first did the, like, the crazy fast? Uh, he did that, like that outrageous fast where, and then he took that picture in the ocean when his shorts were all like sagging down and he looked like he had lost like 95 pounds. Uh, yes. It was like sucking in his stomach and, and peering off existentially into the distance. That kind of <laughs> feels like, kind of feels like we might be living in the embodiment of that, of that photo right yeah. now. Maybe Phil is like, he's rented a boat and he like a sailboat and he's just kind of sailing around the world mm. from like port, port to port where he doesn't have to, register his presence just can only pay in bitcoin or cash or nfts sure Th those are some excellent possibilities certainly as a montana guy i've heard that he's he's uh potentially been holed up in the yellowstone club uh you know in uh in montana which is, is sort of like the the place all the celebs go to you know rail about how they don't want to pay taxes anymore sure. and uh how they want to divorce themselves from the world uh economy mm -hmm. and such uh you know I don't really care about Phil like asking for contrition or Phil like sort of admitting any wrongs. Like I'm not going to sort of play the morality of this. I do think uh, I'll be a little bit sad if he doesn't show up at the PGA, just because I think it would be sort of fun spectacle. And if I were Phil, I would just kind of like lean into it and be like, whatever, man, like I've said some dumb shit and uh, I've said some dumb shit before. I'll probably say dumb shit in the future. I'm here to play golf. Like, you know, anybody who doesn't like it, Fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be, trying would be to start, awesome. Trying to start a competing league with the Saudis. That was a real double bogey by me, guys. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm here to, I'm here to focus on uh, Southern Hills. And, uh, you know, next question, please. I mean. Like, legitimately, just, uh, if he did that, I, that's probably how it would go. I, like, I don't, how, like, how many more follow-ups would there be? I got to tell you, you know, Deej, having been a member of the golf media, it's not like anybody's going to go Frost Nixon on his ass no, and like exactly. grill him and be like, well, what do you mean, Phil? <laughs> like, what did you actually mean by scary motherfuckers? Right. Like, let's let's really break that let's down. Like, 
I mean, Tiger Woods crashed his car and literally got like, and almost like lost his leg and literally got like one question that, that was like one happened. And then people were like, well, I guess we'll move on. Yeah, like, lo- so, like low key crashed his car like a number of different times. Correct. Yes. <laughs> like, not just once. <laughs> Three separate times. Yeah. And some, uh, but, you know, Phil is. It's like, look, Tiger, you I, think, I think you could that- win this week? <laughs> oh, he said yes. He said yes. <laughs> Phil, uh, I know you've been involved in some uh, some scary motherfucker diplomatic uh, stuff here, but if you just could take us through the first hole and what you think exactly. some of the changes that Gilhans has made here. Yeah, what, what club do you have it on 15? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you asked, guys, yeah. because that is such an important question. I have these new Callaway wedges. Exactly. That, that probably, we'll, we'll see. You know, would, would Phil just keep playing the Callaways? Would he, would he show up with some other kind of, you know, like – Callaways, but like sanded down uh, labels or something on them. Well, <laughs> that's that's also kind of where I, you know, I, I think we're enjoying the the low key week this week because I think shit's about to, you know, it's about to get pretty turned up, and and we'll we got a couple more things on the agenda, but of course we got the the live golf event coming up in June. We've got the Phil Willie Wony play in in May. We've got, you know, it, it's going to be a, a an action packed summer. I think in line with kind of uh, with kind of what we've what we've seen a couple of things before, before we get there, I do have a couple more Zurich things. One, okay. uh, do so, you know, speaking of tiger, when tiger beat all those people on day one of the masters after yes. barely being able to walk, uh, we, we called for a number of tour cards and I want to put this question to you here. And now, uh, should anybody who got beat by bill and Jay Haas this week in a fucking <laughs> PJ tour event have to also rescind their cards hand in their cards i can hear randy's voice in my head the disembodied voice of randy just these guys stink man these guys (laughs) play golf man stink (laughs) and somebody needs to call them out that uh, unbelievable story man oldest person to make a cut in the history of the pga tour uh finished t36 with his son wild bill uh just a couple things to throw at you here Jay Haas, the first time he played the New Orleans Open, you know what year it was? No, I do not. 1977. Whoa. You know what the number one That's... movie in April of 1977 was? Uh, would be Star Wars? Uh, just before Star Wars. Rocky. Okay. Rocky. Rocky. Wow. You could watch Jay Haas, who made a cut this week on the PGA Tour. You could watch Jay Haas play in the New Orleans Open and then go to a fucking movie theater and see Rocky. Wow. That guy went out and, and beat a bunch of people this week. At professional golf, unfreaking believable. He has not played on the PJ Tour since the 2010 Players Championship. Wow. Has not made a cut on the PJ Tour in 16 years. And I was I was born in 1977 uh, in December of 1977. So Jay Haas uh, has played in the New Orleans Open longer than I have been alive. Unbelievable. I, I, that was. Like, I know that gets a lot of the, like, schmaltzy, like, oh, fathers and sons, what an amazing game. Uh, We need to just – that's a truly, like, fascinating, unbelievable achievement. What if there was, like, a a poison pill player who entered every tournament, and if you lost to him, like, every – your card was, like, up for, like, review. And so, like, how exciting would that be? Guys just scrambling so hard at the end to get ahead of, you know – Frank Licklider. Yeah. Or, you know. And if that <laughs> guy beats a certain number of players, he, you know, he gets an exemption or something. Oh my God. That, that would be so sweet. Dude, that, like that, that would be the kind of formula one type thing, right? Like where there's like some other element 
involved that you are riveted by and like the broadcast is like oh well, let's go now to jay hoss who's you know he's climbing up the leaderboards in 51st and there's a big big drama here can he can he eliminate like six guys from their jobs for the next week It'd be unbelievable see pj tour we're talking about you know we're talking about innovating. We're talking about doing this. is the kind of stuff we're, t- we're, we're talking about. Giving right? out free ideas right and left. Exactly. Well. It's just, that's, that's, that's going to take me a while to process. And I feel like people just kind of skipped over it or turned it into like a fun trivia question. But I mean, he went out and, and literally beat Kyle Stanley, Cam- Camilo Vajegas. Who else is, who else is on this list? Adam Hadwin. Don't sleep on Adam Hadwin. Scott Stallings. Playing nice. I definitely, when it's, I was at the Baltimore Sun, I covered Jay Haas winning a senior PGA Tour event, a senior PGA Championship at Caves Valley. Uh, I think it might have been Baltimore Country Club, but I think it was Caves. And he, I remember like the lead of my story was that he didn't think he was going to win. So he had like a flight that left at like 6 p.m. And then he shot like 63 in the final round. He had to change his flight so he could do the press conference afterwards. And he was like, ah, it's worth it. You know, we don't think he was 55 or something. Beat Tom Watson. Here he is making cuts. Unbelievable, man. That, that was, that's, that's a mind blower to me. And then the last thing with the Zurich, I think, you know, everybody's favorites. When you, you're talking about growing the game, I think it's almost impossible to underestimate what an impact uh, walk-up music has had on on Huge. these massively full golf courses that we're seeing all over the country. These, you know, demand for golf clubs is backed up. Uh, you, yeah. you just can't get a tee time inside of two weeks. You know, I think I think it's hard to to separate that from uh, the the massive success of of walk up music at the Zurich Classic. Agree or disagree? Oh yeah, it's it's just so huge. The kids are talking about it in the, in the streets. Uh, wondering what kind of trap music you're going to be playing, uh, you know, when the guys roll out. So, uh, yeah, huge. Uh, can I just read off a couple that, that Please I, do. I think, you know, it's always fun. Shout out to uh, Golf Week for rounding these up. We mentioned Ryan Palmer and Scotty Scheffler, the UT fight song. I think that's a classic. That's that's not going to uh, it's not going to get you in any trouble. Uh, listeners of this podcast would be uh, uh, very big fans, hopefully, of the uh, – is it Vince Whaley, I think, and Lee Hodges? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a guess, but I think that's right. Uh, public service announcement by Jay-Z. Uh, for legal reasons, definitely not the song we use for this podcast. No, definitely not. Uh, really wanted to point this one out. Uh, one of my least least favorite uh, artists currently in the game, but a uh, just massively fitting uh, Justin Rose uh, going with the human Comcast, John Legend, uh, all of me. <laughs> uh just what in the world just what an, could possibly be the motivation for all of me being your walk-up song? just an absolute uh brand orgy going on there just like <laughs> all the brand just all the human brands just really really coalescing trying to get the moms on team rose uh, uh you know, this just, one was interesting uh rage against the machine bulls on parade that from brendan Steele and keegan bradley which was Wow. Unfortunate. You know, you, you, I wanted to, yeah. uh, not, uh, you know, <laughs> that's a great song and hate the, hate the player. Love the game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to say, and I hope we can play this after you get done reading these, but what would be the like most unlikely song that you would like to hear as walk up music? And I was going to say killing in the name sure. by rage against machine and think that that would be like, Oh, that's so unlikely. That would never happen. But here, like here, these guys playing bulls on parade. Yeah, and I think I would like to think that you know Zach De La Roca and and the boys when they oh. when they wrote a song like that, I think that's <laughs> probably the the intended intent. Uh, you know, to to really 
bring bring joy to the faces at the Zurich Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Uh, we should we should tag Tom Morello on Twitter. Exactly. Like, Yo, what do you think about this? Like <laughs> the official the official investment bank of Rage Against the Machine. I'm sure. Uh, Have you ever seen that thing where like the high school choir or the high school like band does Bulls on Parade? Uh, it's <laughs> like look it up on youtube it's pretty sick like it's it's definitely like a a thing where you realize that your generation is old enough to like influence the world in some ways yeah it, it's um I, I saw like tyson fury did you just fought this heavyweight fight and he came out to juicy by biggie smalls and i was like oh that'd be a fun like song that would never happen on the bga tour but you know maybe it would if if uh public service announcement is getting dropped exactly so. it's possible our winners this week uh, Cantley and Shoffley went with House of the Rising Sun, classic New Orleans song. Siwoo Kim song you'll know, going with a BTS song. I enjoyed that. That's kind of fun. Uh, what else we got? Brant Snedeker and, and Keith Mitchell going with a Dr. John song. Uh, everybody want to get rich right away. That's, That's pretty cool, like, actual, like, you know, regional uh, nod there. Exactly. Uh, I believe that uh, Horschel and Sam Burns came out to Colin Baton Rouge, an absolute classic. I read in a transcript... Sick. I kind of ref- it was one of the most jarring quotes I've ever seen, which was from Billy uh, Horschel, which said, quote, I'm I'm a big Garth fan, but I had never heard that song before. Uh, and then I heard it and it was perfect, uh, which is those those two statements cannot coexist. That, that's a that's a truly jarring, jarring no. sentence, uh, which, yeah, that, that that's going to take some some unpacking as well. It's disgusting. Uh, uh, Jason but- Scrivener and Jason Day uh, going with Rock and Roll Part 2 by uh, noted child abuser Gary Glitter. That's an <laughs> Yeah, int- that's dicey th- there. That's an yeah, interesting that's- one. Uh, <laughs> Who Let the Dogs Out, just a classic from Joel Ooh. Damon and Steven Yeager. Uh, okay. I like the, ir- the irony of that. I like yeah. that. I like uh, Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa. I know there's a lot of, you know, a lot of conversation about what they were going to go with, but just a classic Sandstorm. Uh, the instrumental everybody knows that song. Everybody, everybody knows that one. That's fun. Okay. Um, you know we've got some light. We've got some Rick Rolling going on. We've got Justin Lauer and Dylan Wu coming out to the uh, Alan Parsons, you know, sh- serious Chicago Bulls song. Uh, mm. Da points coming out to pour some sugar on me. That makes me deeply uncomfortable. One of my dear friends uh, came out during his wedding reception to the Chicago Bulls uh, song. That's a classic. I love that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, Scott Piercy coming out to Careless Whisper, also deeply unsettling. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? GMAC, uh, a little bit of a deeper Oasis cut, supersonic. You know, not not a deep cut, but, you know, not a a uh, Wonderwall or Champagne Supernova. How much, how much would you pay to sit with GMAC and Liam Gallagher and, like, sit and talk about just, like, you know, the state of uh, England, the oh. state of Northern Ireland, and, and all that. Bring that on! Yeah, that that's... Be so many beers would be consumed at the Blue Nona uh, with Liam Gallagher throwing things at the help. Uh, I would love that. That would be that would be an all timer. Uh, and then we've got David Skins uh, coming out to uh, "We Are the Champions." Spoiler alert: we we are not. What what did would you pick as like a song if if you are, when you uh, play in the Zurich? Sure. What would be your uh, choice to sort of to come out to? God, that's there's just no good answers, and and I would expect to be fully, you know, I think it's kind of a social contract that whatever, like, there's no good answer, right? Like, mm-hmm. whatever you pick, you're you're gonna get absolutely uh, lit up. So okay. I, I'm 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 totally fine with that. You know what I really enjoyed? Neil came out when he did his boxing thing, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil came out to Tom Sawyer by Rush, mm. which was yeah. which was really really good. Uh, which actually pretty sick. Adam Hadwin and and uh, Adam Svensson uh, before they had to give up their tour cards were getting beat by Jay Haas. Picked a Rush song as proper proper young Canadian boys. I like that. Man, I don't know. That's 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 a really it's a really really tough one. So what do you got? We well my my buddy Adam Kilgore who covered the uh, uh, the Nats for several years. Uh, we're, we're big drive-by truckers fans. Uh, shout out to my guy Jason Isabel, former uh, truckers guy. And but um, Patterson Hood has a song "Lookout Mountain," and we used to always um, we were trying to convince like closers to come out to Lookout Mountain because uh, it starts like this like amazing. You should look it up. Anybody out there who's never heard Lookout Mountain and imagine like a Ricky Vaughn type closer like kicking open the bullpen door and coming into uh to pitch the ninth inning whatever with runners on it's a pretty sick opener uh so that that would be up there for me as like a definitely like i could see like sabotage by the uh, beasties would be a good one to do for sure um uh you know i mean you could do like purple haze has a really like sick opening riff the hendrix song what's hard about Uh, this though is you gotta you gotta picture that there's like like 13 people in the stands and it's like mm-hmm. 92 it's degrees blow the doors and 400 percent yeah. humidity, <laughs> and it's like 8:30 a.m. on Saturday. So, you know, it's like, what are you gonna but, play like the hold steady or something to just really get everybody all ooh. whipped up? Like, I, you know, I, I just about, I don't know what I pick. Maybe the national. How about like uh, thick, thick as a brick by Jethro? That's a really <laughs> good one. Or bungle, bungle in the jungle. I think would be my answer. Actually, I might go with that. You know what? It was I, I was disappointed uh, not to see was the uh the just terrible twosome of uh Robert Garrigus and Tommy Ganey. I think Tommy Ganey should come out to Nookie. I think oh, would have been, yeah. I think would have been an absolute <laughs> all timer. Uh why wouldn't you just lean into it if you were Tommy Ganey? That would be sick. So yeah, I don't know. Thus thus concludes your uh your walk up music analysis for this year. I I look forward to uh to doubling back next year. Anything else from the Zurich from you? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean uh just you know, look, I appreciate that it exists. I don't pretend that uh, it's like a appointment golf viewing for me, but um, you know, it's it's fun to sort of have around. And there ought to be more different kinds of events that aren't just stroke play. Uh, so I, I'm not going to knock anything about it because it, it sort of lives up to one of the things that we preach that there needs to be more of. So it's just because it doesn't get it exactly right. Uh, or isn't like super compelling doesn't mean that it's not good in general here here moving to the west coast the lpga nasa hataoka is your winner at the lpga la open uh it is her sixth lpga victory uh and just a dominant week she won by five she has a tendency to do this uh she has six wins now two you know this one was by five two of the other ones are by six one was by three and and i think if you watched uh much of that round today, it was. It's pretty easy to see why when she gets on autopilot, man, it is like starts to look pretty impossible to uh, to make yeah. a bogey. I had a blast watching this tournament. I don't know what your your uh, history of watching this tournament is, or or how much you watched this week. But what what were your takeaways? I like this golf course a lot, and so it's always like uh, enjoyable to sort of watch a little bit. I, I love. You could probably say this about ninety six percent of LPGA players. Maybe like Lexi would be the only person I wouldn't say it about was like. It's just such fun tempo to watch and like tempo is such a cool thing in golf because it 
makes golf a little bit seem like a little bit closer to art than it is an athletic endeavor. Yeah. And so like, she's another one of the players who has like such sweet tempo, you know, it's, and it's funny to like see her and they're talking about, I can't remember which hole it was like, Oh, you know, like she's just going to hit this on the green and, you know, maybe two putt and kind of, you know, maybe, and she, you know, flushes it and hits, makes the Eagle from 25 feet or whatever. It's just like, Oh, okay. Well, she's obviously like pretty sick. Uh, you know, so she made, I, gosh, she made everything uh, yeah. she looked at. It's just fun to, I don't know. It's just fun to watch any player get into God mode like that, mm-hmm. where they're just, they cannot miss a fairway and they seemingly like can't miss a putt. And when you combine that with a golf course that, you know, you're actually playing against, right? Like a lot of that, a lot of watching the Zurich, just, it kind of feels like they're playing against each other. Right. And it's, it's truly like, I'm going to try to make more birdies than you are watching the LPGA today. It felt a lot more like, Oh man, they're playing against this golf course and kind of hanging on for dear life. There's so much break, especially in like those putts inside five, 10 feet, even like seeing some awesome camera angles of how much those putts were snapping like crazy. Uh, Wilshire's just, Wilshire's awesome, man. And I, I don't know if, if totally. you can eloquently put kind of what makes it so awesome to watch into words, but, uh, th- I mean, it's, it, this is kind of like quickly rising the, the power rankings. I know it's a fairly new event. I think they've only been yeah. going there for a couple years now, but uh, I mean, this seems like it has the potential to become like a premier marquee event, just based on nothing other than how fun it is to watch. Right. I mean, it's, it's 100%. kind of a blast. Yeah, and there's obviously danger out there, as uh, yeah. Jeanne Co found out uh, in the third round. It seemed like she was sort of maybe the one person who could challenge uh, NASA. But uh, you know, it's I, I will say a quick diversion before maybe we talk about uh, Jeanne Co. Should we worried about Maria Fossi at all? Like I, I saw, you know, she had another sort of didn't make the cut. This is, you know, like I think she's made one cut in the last six events this year. Like this was maybe like we sort of thought because of uh you know when she and Cupcho dueled at the uh, at the Augusta Invitational that she was going to be like the next star certainly like has an amazing swing to look at but um just seems like she's having a little bit of struggling as a pro trying to find it uh, yeah and which is a bummer because it seemed like she was kind of flashing some some form late last year right and and it looked like she was kind of hopefully going to turn it around i mean it's one of those things that I feel like so many of these women, like they just get on such a big stage at such a young age and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to give them plenty of time to figure it out. But at the same time, they're trying to kind of cash in as quickly as they can for as much as they can, because you don't know how long your career is going to be. And it's just a, uh, yeah, I always get a little, I always get a little bummed out when you see, you see a player like that. I mean, she, she went back and finished, she finished fifth in October. She's like, fifth t25 t22 and like kind of had it had it moving a little bit uh going at the end of last season and then yeah this year has missed every cut except one that one t56 and yeah maybe like a victim of uh the onwa kind of like cutting both ways almost you know right where it's like it immediately thrusts people into like super duper stardom Mm -hmm. before they almost like have a chance to kind of toil in anonymity for a while and and really uh kind of earn their earn their stripes on the in the professional world right which it's i had never really thought about it like that until that kind of was just coming out of my mouth but the uh that's that's an interesting wrinkle that's going to come along with with the anwa true i think it's also kind of it's weird because like in a lot of respects 
a lot of the younger, like a lot of the times when LPGA players, I don't want to say peak, but like they have success like really early when they're young. And, and like Lydia Ko is like a good example of sort of you know, Lexi, like some of the like best players who have sort of been predicted to do great things were like kind of at their best when they were like teenagers. And so when you get to be like 24, which is like super young as a professional athlete, and you haven't quite figured it out, it seems like you're sort of a disappointment in the LPGA, but it's kind of not really how it works. It's maybe like the sort of exceptions are the ones who find superstardom really young. And, you know, maybe the point is to just not burn out, uh, I guess. But anyway, I, I, I let's I just want to give a quick shout out to Yulimi No, who's like one of my favorite young players. Uh, she like has, speaking of awesome tempo, she finished, I think, 10th. Yeah. Uh, one of um I, I just love the watching her play golf and it's like her best finish in a year so um i, I hope that sort of leads to bigger and better things because uh, i think she's a super promising young american uh player that i would love to see be a star crazy young also she mm. was uh she was just on the podcast with uh big randy a couple weeks ago mm. really really nice. enjoyed just turned 20 yeah. yeah really enjoyed listening to that and and nasa still is 23 i think and you know, she seems like she's been around for a little while, was in a playoff last year at, uh, what was that, U.S. Open, I think? Yeah, I mean, 23 years old and six wins is, you know, it looks a lot different in the in the women's game than it does in the men's game, right? I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how the uh, how the numbers get shifted. But I'm, I'm massively in on watching NASA. I have a blast. I love the, I love the jump up and down, pump up that she does before, she, before she's hitting drives. I love that stuff. I love, like just her game was like so fun to watch it's you know like i said when a player gets in into that kind of god mode it's it's kind of fun to watch anybody but uh just had a blast watching her on that golf course is is a very cool combo so can't wait for this event uh event next year i gotta gotta stake it out It'd be a fun one to go to in person actually and seeing like some where some of these balls land and seeing how hard it is to keep some of these chip shots from above the hole close and how hard it is to hold some of these five footers it's just a it's a really, really, really proper test that, you know, we don't really see on the men's side outside of, you know, majors and a, a small handful of, of other golf tournaments as well. So sure. Speaking of DH, have you have you had any holes like uh like Jin Young Co did recently or, or like Tron did in the death bunker uh in the on the old course where you just couldn't couldn't get out and it was like felt like you the club was a foreign object in your hands. Uh yes. I hit it into the bunker on uh right in, in the front of the green on number twelve at the old course, the kind of drivable uh when it's downwind, drivable par four. Uh yeah. and just couldn't get out. Just my all my bunker yips from uh tourist sauce yeah. came flooding back uh and and just completely evacuated myself. What about what about yourself? People at some are saying that bunker gave you COVID. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll get to that story at, at, on the back end of the podcast here. Uh, yes, I recently took a trip to Band of Dunes, and uh, it just dumped rain for um, the first two days. Kind of day where a couple days where you had to have multiple rain suits, uh, and they changed in and out. And I hit it uh, for anyone familiar with uh, Pacific Dunes into the hit a really good shot into seventeen that like was maybe three or four feet left of where it needed to be, and it bounced into the gigantic massive bunker in front of 17 and i took 10 swings uh, and could not get out like i I don't like think of myself as a bad bunker player feel like i uh usually like pretty decent had just gotten up and down a couple times that day out of hard bunkers but the sand was so wet 
just, I mean, how do you elevate the ball like 30, 40 feet straight up in the air when the sand is like just clumping everywhere? It, it did not, it was, it was pretty shameful. I wanted to just kind of lay down and sort of, you know, weep a little bit. So that's one of the ultimate shots where I've had, had the specific thought in that specific bunker yeah. of like, Hey, Tom Doak, like, why don't you come hit this shot, man? Yeah. Let's see you do this. I listen. Yeah. I know I wasn't supposed to hit it in here. <laughs> I know. I know that wasn't, Thanks, I was but... supposed to avoid it. I know. But like, what the what fuck should am I, I supposed do to now? do now? Yeah. Should I take a seven iron and just launch it into the gorse behind <laughs> exactly. the green and take a drop up there? Does that work for you? Exactly. Exactly. A <laughs> uh, couple more LPGA things. Just a quick shout out to uh, Madeline Sagstrom. I believe her best finish yeah. of the year. Our, our very esteemed young hitter. Uh, T3, round of the day today, 66. Uh, Minji Lee. Great socks, too. Great, great socks. socks. Gr- of course. Awesome. Of course. Great socks. Uh Minji Lee playing great, uh, also T3, and Inby Park, also T3. Just a blast to watch Inby Park as well. Kind of, I mean, it's, uh, that was, uh, my wife, Justine, is getting much more into the game, and every time I, I am constantly trying to say, like, you don't have to swing hard. You don't have to swing hard. I promise you don't have to swing hard. Like, every time uh, Inby would come on the screen, just like, okay, watch this. Please, just file this away. Look, she's not even swinging at all. And uh, it's uh, it's just great to watch her. Wouldn't you see that's the thing about the cross event of the Zurich. If you had like, say, men and women together, like how sick would it be to like unbelievable, have, like a Minji Lee paired with Adam Scott or like a MB Park paired with like another like crap putter. Like, you know, it'd be so sick. It'd be great. I know. Uh, Kevin, let's take one more break. Should we? Let's talk about a place that you and I have both been both love uh, Pinehurst Resort. Uh, for 125 years, Pinehurst Resort has been the home of American golf. Uh, we're we're going to talk a lot about the home of Scottish golf, but right now we're going to talk about the home of American golf. American golf. And yet, there has never been a better time to be there. The championship legacy of Donald Ross's masterpiece, Pinehurst Number 2, endures as the U.S. Open's first anchor site with five, count them, five U.S. Opens scheduled to return over the next two decades. Add Gil Hans's redesigned Pinehurst Number 4 or Number 6, uh, home of the first U.S. Adaptive Open, and those are just three of the nine championship golf courses to experience at Pinehurst. Uh, and, of course, after testing your game there, grab a few wedges and enjoy a loop on the cradle. You've, I'm sure you've played the cradle. Oh, many times. No, actually just once, but it was really enjoyable. <laughs> so <laughs> it was during an NLU event, uh, we we won. Uh, we were the uh, – me and my, my boy Patrick Smith were paired together and uh, – made some sick up and downs to like uh to basically like uh, take the i think we might have tied for the title but i was also like three or four transfusions deep so uh cradle sick and that's yes that's the underlying <laughs> thesis cradle is sick many people call it the most fun 10 acres in golf off the course indulge in a, an array of craft beers brewed on site at pinehurst brewing company i'm sure you've had many of those craft brews as well uh or relax with your buddies in the stylish north and south bar the north and south bar fucking rules by the way yeah, they do. if you haven't been there it, it is an awesome awesome uh little whiskey bar uh massive fan of the north and south bar at pinehurst pinehurst continues to evolve making it much more than a bucket list destination but a place to return to again and again go to pinehurst.com now to plan your visit uh just a couple more kind of miscellaneous notes i wanted to get through here uh first one Guys in the news a lot. What I did not did not see this coming. Sixty-seven-year-old Greg Norman uh, set his sights on a return to competitive golf at the Open Championship at St Andrews, the one hundred and fiftieth Open Championship. Uh, he did not have any plans to qualify. Uh, he was just 
purely launching a trial balloon, trying to get a special exemption in the RNA, put out a loud and quick, nah, dog, uh, not going to happen. That's going to be a no for that, me, that's dog. Gonna be, it's going to be a no, just a little pitchy for me, dog. Uh, your thoughts on uh, the great white shark being being denied, a two-time winner being denied uh, just because, you know, he hasn't played competitive golf in like seven years. I mean, on one hand, Greg Norman is a knob and perhaps a destructive force in like golf in general. On the other hand, I do kind of feel like if you won the open twice, they yeah, twice, particularly twice that they should sort of honor that and be like, all right, fuck it. You can go play the open, like whatever. We'll create an extra spot for you. Some poor, you know, Englishman or whatever is going to get bumped off because like, you know, it's, I did like the, the pre sort of um, like, Oh, 65, you get phased out sort of thing. Uh, Cause you know what? It was, he was 50, right. When he made that run. I think uh, so. Yeah. One year. Uh, was that St. George's? I can't remember exactly, but he led going into the fourth right. round, I believe. Uh, so, you know, I, it's a lot, it, it's clearly another in general, like Greg Norman man loves him some attention. And uh, I, you know, I don't know that anybody's dying to go see him shoot 82, 78, but uh, who knows? Like, it's the old course. I mean, he could sort of probably plot his way around there. And it, it, yeah. Some, it, that's some birds. I had a, a weird tinge of, uh, I don't want to say like um, sympathy, but mm-hmm. I'm with you in that, like, man, the guy was a legend. He's number one player in yeah. the world. He won the British Open twice. And now, you know, probably just like what he all he wants is like to go stand on the Spoken Bridge and do the wave goodbye and the 150th open and yada, yada, yada. Uh, And it part some very teeny tiny shred of my brain is like, oh, man, that kind of sucks that he's uh, he's not going to get that. And then Mm -hmm. another much larger part of my brain is also like, well, yeah, man, this is kind of a a bit of a me reaping me sowing thing. You can't just like be kind of a dick. Uh, for, you know, the better part of 20, 30 years and then expect everybody to kind of roll out the red carpet as well. So it's, yeah, I, I, I stand with the RNA, I guess, bravely. Noble of you. Yeah. Having just, you know, having tasted their wine and eaten their bread. Exactly. Uh, and their minced meat and their spotted yeah. dick in the, in the dessert department. Uh, Which, if, if Greg Norman had not been such a, a dick over the last uh, various spotted dick. thing. Would would you would you think he would have gotten the exemption? Do you think there would have been a sort of a send off? Because like remember Jack like retired once and like did the whole wave, yeah, and then like came back and did it again. Oh, Tom Watson uh, did it like and, twelve times. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I'm it's sure. Not like there isn't precedent for this. No, which is exactly. probably why Greg Norman was like, you know, come on, mate. Like, what the hell? Uh, I've won this thing twice. So yeah, I don't know I don't if know. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have to assume, right? Like, I, I think if he yeah. is just laying low and is just like, hey, I understand the large place that that St. Andrews holds in the game of golf. And, you know, I would love to to really cap my my legacy and my career by standing on that bridge. It, was, it would mean so much to me. I'm sure they would do it. But, like, when you go around – did you watch the Shark documentary? I haven't yet. Uh, obviously, you're talking about the 30 for 30 right. on ESPN about uh, Greg Norman, which uh, I would encourage everyone to watch, even though I have not yet watched it myself. I've been, you know, <laughs> been abandoned all week. Uh hashtag problems uh golf problems but yeah i heard it's great i heard it's like very entertaining it's really good yeah and and there's just a great line in there where you know solly talked to uh jason Hare, the the director and uh they had a great conversation if you haven't listened to that podcast it's it's really really good uh but 
you know, that the, they were kind of unpacking this, this line of, you know, Greg's defense mechanism of every time somebody would, you know, quote unquote, like stand against him. You know, it was like this, well, they're jealous of my accomplishments. It's like, yeah, I don't think the RNA is jealous of your accomplishments, man. I think maybe you just might be kind of a dick. And and this is a good, uh, this is a pretty good indicator of that. But it is interesting. Greg's, Greg's an interesting study in like whether you believe in karma, right? Because, you know, he is kind of obviously like an arrogant, you know, knob. And like, but you watch some of those like majors where he clearly should have won, right? Like, Larry Mize chipping in across a ridiculous chip or like Paul Azinger. Like if you watch that one where he, he lost the PGA to Azinger at uh, Oak Hill, Bob Tway, it's uh, oh, Bob Tway. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm thinking of the one he won. I forget which one he lost to Azinger uh, where he's like, he could have made, you know, it's so close to making like three putts like that are like really hard putts or like that Azinger like rolls one in from nowhereville to sort of, you know, get into a playoff with him. It's crazy. Like you think like, oh my God, like Greg Norman probably should have like six majors easy uh, in some of these sort of things. And that's what, uh, and yeah, sorry, you were, I think you're right. Uh, Bob Tway one was at Inverness, but the. Uh, there was many things to choose from. Exactly. Right, well, Greg Peter Costas, Peter Costas does, again, you should watch the whole documentary. It's really good. But Peter Costas does a pretty good job of, of putting him in a bit of a body bag where he's like, oh yeah, all these like. Oh man, Bob Tway holds a bunker shot. He's like, Greg shot 40 on the back nine. And there's just like all these moments where it's like, yeah, he did that. He shot 39 there. He bogeyed the last two. He hit a horrible shot at Augusta. He did. He's like, come on, spare me some of the like, oh, what a, what an unlucky guy, which, uh, <laughs> which was pretty, pretty point blank execution, which, yeah. which I enjoyed. How sick was it though in 1986 that guys had to hit four iron into oh, 18 green? So good, man. <laughs> come on. I know. <laughs> and just oh, even just the the moment of Faldo like getting deep in the process, figuring out what was he, I think he hit a two or three iron into thirteen. Wow. Oh, that's just it's it's really good stuff. Uh, we have to go back. We have I to know, go back. We have to. Well, kind of a uh, Greg Norman adjacent news item here as well. But uh, according to Golf Week, Robert Garrigus became the first publicized player to request a release to play in the Live Golf event in London in June. This is the first of the eight event uh, series set up by Greg and Live Golf. Uh, the release, these these requests, for those that don't know, need to be filled out 45 days before competition, which means Monday is the deadline. Uh, I, I'm i in a bit of a, a bind here where it really seems like somebody, I don't know if it's the PJ Tour, I don't know, I don't know who it is uh, that kind of leaked this to, uh, I think it was Eamon Lynch that wrote the story for Golf Week, uh, but it seems like Garrigus got put out on an absolute island, and I would bet pretty strongly that he is not the only person to uh, have yeah. requested a release. I think there's a pretty lengthy line behind <laughs> him, and just the, I believe the way I put it on the shotgun start earlier this week was like, what a corporate, like, get a load of this fucking guy uh, <laughs> moment, which is just a have like no sympathy for Robert Garrigus. I don't, I don't no, give a shit no. one way or the other, but uh, what a, what a brutal uh, court of public opinion here. Totally. I think it was uh, Porath who said like, you know, when, uh, when they threw, um, when Bryson and Phil uh, threw, um, what's his name out in front of this, like cannon fodder, right? Like it's, it's, it's total, <laughs> just an to, absolute bullet sponge. He had there. to take the, just take all the bullets for what's to come. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Reminiscent of the Charlie Hoffman, uh, no protection. Charlie Hoffman, yeah. Although yeah. that was, that was self-inflicted, but what, true. 
but they were cheering him on as he ran towards the the english uh charging the, the front lines and stuff like in braveheart i think we're gonna find out i don't know when uh if and when and how and you know i'm sure we have our own work to do on this front to try to get some of this uh information but I mean, if this deadline is tomorrow, I got to think a lot of these requests are in. And again, I'm going to reiterate very, very strongly. I know there was a lot of like dancing on graves and spiking the football and like, oh, that's the best. All you have is Robert Garrigus. I really don't think that's the case. I, I don't know how you how you feel about it. No, for sure. And it's what makes you laugh is like, who did Robert Garrigus annoy to like have his name be leaked or whatever? Right. Why, why did someone offer that up to you know the newsbreakers of the world? But yeah, I mean, you would think that the people who were like have a gnaw wearing like golf Saudi on his, uh, you know, uh, shirts, you know, a collar would be up there and that, you know, the guys like Westwood and Poulter who've been sort of rumored for a long time to do it, that they would certainly, this would be, you know, unless, unless somehow like this is the, the London event is going to be like the trial run for the legal battle and live golf is saying like, all right, well, we'll cover whatever legal expenses that it would cost you to sort of fight to stay in the majors, uh, you know, if they tried, if the majors try to ban you, then, you know, but, but you would think there'd be more prominent names that would be coming out very soon. One would think, watch this space, watch this space for, Always. for further updates. Always. Uh, we're going to, we're going to temper it. We're not going to do too much Saudi live golf stuff. I'm sure there'll be more to talk about next week. Uh, a couple more items I had, uh, Steph Curry, did you see this, the Steph Curry announcement? Uh, I did not see this, but, uh, I would hear, should hear because, uh, I'm always interested in, in Steph Curry's golf game in general. believe I read but. this on Golf Digest. Steph Curry announced plans this week to host a five-tournament uh, – to host, I'm sorry, to host five junior tournaments, uh, I believe in partnership with the AJGA for underprivileged players, planning to cover travel, lodging, and entrance fees. Uh, I still am a little hazy on the details of how it all works. If I think it all feeds up maybe to uh, existing AJGA events or maybe they're doing their own separate events. Long, you know, the long and short of this is, uh, this stuff always, it always remains kind of funny to me that like some of the most forward thinking, uh, innovative, impactful stuff in the game of golf and making golf more accessible is coming from Steph Curry, uh, not from the many, many dozens of organizations that seemingly exist only to do this exact thing. Uh, so continued good on him, uh, for, you know, what, what remains, uh, just some pretty awesome stuff and, and interested totally. in following how that, how that goes. Like this is legitimately what we're talking about. When we're talking about grow the game, you know, like instead of pretending that, you know, you're helping women get the right to drive or eat in restaurants in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> which has literally like a, such a non sequitur in terms of like natural growth of golf. Like how about buy a hundred sets of golf clubs and like drop them off near me in Baltimore in Clifton Park. Right. And basically be like, all right, Wednesdays are youth golf course day. And every foursome of kids is going to have like a actual golfer, you know, teach them rules and etiquette and how to play and how much fun it is to bomb driver or whatever. Like that might legitimately turn 10 kids out of, you know, 50 into or 100 out of, into golfers. And that would gr- literally grow the game. But the other stuff is just like total smokescreen lip service paid to this stuff and so i would love to see every every time someone specifically says like oh i'm going i'm I'm just trying to grow the game like i would love to you know press them a little bit harder uh on what exactly do you mean how do you think this legitimately grows the game because there's like legitimate ways for 
like a, a basketball player is out there like actually doing that yeah. and you're just kind of trying to make more money for yourself and using this as kind of a shield. Yeah. And it's the same. I mean, it's the same with, uh, you know, an organization like Youth on Course, right? We talked about them earlier in an ad read. We talk about them all the time. There's just so many things where, you know, it, there's no shortage of identifying the problem, right? Like, oh, golf is inaccessible. Why is it inaccessible? Well, I can't really afford to play it. Okay, cool. What if we help subsidize your rounds? Awesome. Problem solved. And the the knots that some of these organizations just like tie themselves up in trying to either answer questions that nobody's asking or or just put 15 layers of stupid, you know, needless bullshit in between, you know, them and the actual golf being played. It's just, it's refreshing to see like, oh, what's that? You want to play tournament golf, but you don't have the money? What if I gave you the money to do it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, let's just, let's cut right to the core. So good on Steph Curry. Uh, Last thing I had uh, before we get into maybe maybe we talk a little bit about your uh, your Bandon trip. I'd love to hear about that. Uh, I got some horror stories from Scotland. I'd be happy to share. Uh, Dustin Johnson and Paulina Gretzky. I know this is a big one for you. Aww. I know this is you know you, you wanted to get one thing on the agenda. This this was it. <laughs> Tied the knot this week. Love is not dead. Uh, and I just only wanted to put that out there for two reasons. One, just to remind everybody that they got engaged in 2013 uh nine years that ago was, and just so sick it's just one of the one of the foremost mysteries of our time i don't think anybody's really asked him wh why did it take nine years i don't uh -huh. for the, one of the most public couples around it's just it's it's wild to me that that is uh it's just a just doing it their own way so uh good for them on that and two i wanted to ask you if you if you knew who uh which we talked a lot about music uh yeah which mu which musician you think performed Oh my God. Um, could it be, I would say some country artist would be my guess. Uh, in a, uh, in a sense, I, I would say he, you know, he certainly panders to that crowd as well. Uh, Kid Rock. Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. I should have known that that would be the American good. badass himself. Oh, that, wow. Do you think he's saying, uh, picture that would be like for the most kid romantic kid rock uh i don't know why well, i'm gonna guess he couldn't get cheryl crow but hopefully he'd say uh, you know i think i hope dustin's a big only god knows why and <laughs> that might be my walkout talk actually that's like sweet if kid rock does a wedding does he do like ba with a ba like that's a like, i'm deeply fascinated by this question now like what is kid rock's set list i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna dive into that wedding? once once we once we hang up i, I saw there were some instagrams Instagram's going around. I gotta say, I, I kept it pretty surface level, so I didn't hear specifically what he was playing. Uh, I, I know he had a new song out recently where I saw in the music video he's riding a giant uh, middle finger. I don't know if you saw that or not. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. Which you know, kind of puts it all in perspective. But uh, yeah, just wanted to pass that along to to you Did and you... and the other interested listeners. Uh, so uh, heart heartfelt congratulations to Dustin Did you and Paulie. The note that uh, that Paulina uh, sort of Instagram. I did unbelievable penmanship. I that like shout out to the South Carolina school system if that's truly Dustin's penmanship. I mean, I don't think you could I, have somebody else write that note. Could you? So? Like, I, could I, you have somebody else? For those that don't know, I can't believe we're talking about this. There was a <laughs> there was a, a I have a, it in front of me if you'd like me to read it. Yeah, oh, please, please, Paul. Paulina, I'm going to try to do my best, DJ. Paulina, you are the love of my life. I'm counting the seconds until I marry you. I love you to the moon and back. XO, Dustin. 
but it's like, written in like the the most like beautiful pen like yeah, yeah very uh sh- yeah. I, I would love to see any other looks example like, of looks like oscar Justin wilde Spider. wrote it oh yeah <laughs> so like awesome again sh- like shout outs to the south carolina school system if they taught dj that kind of penmanship growing up because would not have expected and if it was a a first person letter to your wife written by somebody yeah. else that's that's one of the most depressing things i've ever i've ever come across <laughs> just ask the publicist to sort yeah. of quick pen it that, uh, all right i'll dictate it that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough are you ready uh, Why, like crazy that it took them nine years to plan this wedding i mean i'm sure they were just waiting on the venue to be available <laughs> well and I, th- I think kid i think kid rock's been busy too i know he had that <laughs> yeah yeah he was dabbling he with the uh congressional run i think in michigan and yeah. you know i think he's his schedule's probably been pretty jammed up too. So, uh, I think, did you see that thing? Trump was, we don't have to get into this. Trump was asking him for his opinion on North Korea. Uh, I don't oh, know if you saw that headline. No, that, that was good stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kid rock. I thought yeah. maybe you were talking about DJ. Uh, I possibly. Like, oh. I know they've played, yeah. you know, played some golf, so it's it probably come yeah. up. Uh, <laughs> what, what? You definitely want DJ near the nuclear football. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, he seems like a pretty cool customer. I think he could, DJ would definitely make some rational decisions. If there's he anyone who's going to be okay under the pressure, he's he's probably pretty high on the list, to be honest. I don't know, Vladimir. You just need to chill out. It's just not. <laughs> just why don't you just chill out, man? Just shut up. Uh, I know why. I know why he needs his crap right now. Just <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I, I think the uh, I think the DJ imitating you know, nuclear discussions with Vladimir Putin uh, has brought us to the end of, of what I would say the, the golf news of the week. Uh, tell me, tell me about your trip. I know. So actually let me, I'll preface all this with, uh, we mentioned at the top, all the guys are uh, at Bandon this week. I was supposed to be out there as well. I due to a, an absolute comedy of, uh, of errors and misfortune. I had to skip that trip. I ended up getting COVID on the back half of our Scotland trip uh, I ended up getting food poisoning. I don't know if I told you that part. I ended up getting food poisoning on my flight home. Tough, tough scene. Uh, maybe the worst day of my adult life, I would say. Uh, and just the idea of getting back to Bandon would have been uh, a bit of a bridge too far. But I know you were just out there last week, had a great time. What was what were some of the highlights? Uh, yeah, super. I mean, it's hard to have uh, any kind of trip at Bandon that, it, that isn't uh, really like an A- minus at, at worst. So, But I had the some of the worst weather that i've ever golfed in uh, uh except for the nit in uh, jacksonville oh. uh, that would be the one other uh my wife was asking me was it worse than the nit and i was like well it was that kind of rain plus really bad wind like 50 mile an hour wind so uh those were some tough tough days definitely had to bring a couple different rain suits uh, to swap in and out between rounds um and as you might imagine those courses are pretty hard uh in those kind of conditions but other than one afternoon where there was kind of water on the greens at Bandon Dunes, like still ridiculously playable, uh, which shows you like how well they're designed to drain and everything. Um, love. I, I, I go back. I've only been twice, but uh, I keep going back in my mind and sort of thinking about what parts I love. And I just um, one thing I just love about Bandon is like they make you feel like they are grateful to have you there instead of like they are doing you a favor by letting you pay thousands of dollars to right. go there. And that is such a huge thing when you are paying thousands of dollars that you probably saved up over, you know, course of, a, I mean, it, there's only some, so many people who are allowed, who can go every year. I'm not one of those people. I, I need to kind of bank up for a little bit of time to, to plan it out. But um, I just always feel like 
everyone there actually wants me to be there uh, instead of is kind of like begrudgingly accepting my presence. Uh, and um, yeah, the, the golf is just so fun. There's so many different kind of shots. I, I come came away with more appreciation of old Mac than I'd had previously um, played a scramble at old Mac, which I think is like, it might be the goat scramble course. That's a really because good idea. There's no, um, you don't have to grind over necessarily shots and you can take on risks that you might not always take. And you got a lot of, a lot of, uh, I won't say funnel pins, but like a lot of ridges you can use that one guy might catch and all the other guys might miss. And totally. Just makes for uh, a really fun day. I'm sure. Totally. I mean, it was so hard to hold certain greens in the wind or whatever, but I managed to make a par on the road hole there that I was so proud of, like on my own ball because, uh, you know, hit a, hit a, like a pitching wedge from like 140 that I knew would hit short and bounce up and it held the green. I was like, God, that is exactly the way you're supposed to play. This This is so cool that I did that. Um, but as I said, you know, went in the death bunker and pack and that was a tough one and loved, I mean, is to me, and and this may be influenced in your own mind by your tremendous, like just legendary performance of making three birdies on the four (laughs) or threes, but trails is just the best vibe for me. Yeah. I, I could play trails every day, all the time. 13. I kind of, was less enthusiastic about this time than uh, the last time, even though I think I had a six both times that I played it uh, a lot four years ago in this time. But other than that, I just, I love almost every hole at trails. I just think it's such a fun walk and I had a great back nine there uh, to sort of win the match that I was in with uh, my buddy. And and I just, we always play like a rider stuff, rider cup style tournament there. Uh, And we had to play it from like some up tees because of the, the weather, which is, you know definitely the way to do it like don't have too much pride uh to sort of move up a tee uh there if you're like the, the wind is blowing i mean it was, the wind was blowing in 50 60 mile hour gusts at pack dunes and so like trying to play that from the green teaser back was like a bonkers proposition so uh we played it from the golds and it was perfect uh it, it was it made it acceptable and playable so uh i literally i think i played 147 holes uh, oh in four gosh. days uh, which is just lunatic behavior, but um, it's hard to like, after you play 36, if you've played really well in the afternoon, you're like, well, why wouldn't I go out and play one <laughs> of the 40 best golf courses in the world right. uh, for free? Like I could you know, do all kinds of cool stuff on the front nine abandon or sneak out the back nine abandon or play a, an 11 hole loop at sheep ranch uh, in the next two hours. That's what makes Bandon super fun. It's like that extra bonus fun golf I, like could anybody possibly play sheep ranch without like walking with a smile on their walking away with a smile on their face like it's just seems like an impossible thing for me to do would be tough so, it would be tough yeah. uh the moving <clears throat> moving up a tee is the uh you know reminds me of the one of the great detonations i ever heard in my life which was i was there with uh, sean martin and we had very similar similar conditions uh for like four straight days just absolutely brutal. Everybody's getting their ass kicked. And finally, uh, one of the other people I was there with suggested like, well, why don't we just move up a tee? And Sean was being a little, just being a little pouty. And the caddy just puts an absolute bullet in his head. Just like, hey, man, if you're making too many birdies and you're not having any fun, then we can all move back. Move It'll back. be totally fine. Yeah. Because anytime too much fun comes into play, we'll just we'll, we'll dial up the intensity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a I've said that I've used that exact phrase that you uh, have shared a couple of times. And, and it's impossible to not like laugh and be like nod at the logic. Yes. Of it and be like, oh, all right. You're yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. So, I mean, 
who exactly are you gonna who, like that's the thing too is people are always like yeah but i want to like post a score or whatever and it even that sort of thing in your mind like it it includes like this idea that anyone will possibly give a shit what you shot yes <laughs> like, like if you're you're like yeah you know i shot 74 at band of dunes like no one's gonna be like well yeah but what tease dude yeah that was there's oh that's awesome cool that's so good for you like i'm, I'm really impressed and like, even as they say that they're already thinking about their own round it's exactly. yeah oh, the, other oh, yeah, well, other people are time. doing a lot of heavy lifting in your own head in that in that <laughs> instance yes i agree uh you 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 uh you know got to spend some time in scotland uh playing a lot of different courses there was there anything that stood out in your mind that you would uh how would a bandon trip compare to a scotland trip uh, in that sense uh it's it's interesting man i mean it's it's uh from the east coast honestly probably like i would say way easier to get to scotland honestly yeah. like you know fly to new york fly to edinburgh and you're and you're there right and you got a little little bit of a drive to whatever golf course or whatever region you're you're looking to post up in uh combine you know compare that with getting out to bandon is usually a you know at least a couple flights and at least a couple hours in the car so it's uh when you kind of put it that way i mean i think the the scenery abandons unbelievable the golf courses are unbelievable the, the food and the accommodations and all that stuff's great uh but if you have a chance to like go you know kind of settle in and and live temporarily in another country right i mean it, especially when that country is kind of the the place that invented the game if you hadn't uh done scotland I, I think it's it's pretty hard not to not to put that at the top of your list as i mentioned i loved it so much that you know i was uh mandated by the by the government to stay a little bit longer even so it was uh that was man what a weird what a weird week uh i like i said i i ended up getting covid and and couldn't really uh fly back to the united states obviously until i was testing negative so uh yeah just kind of hung out it was a bit of a lost in translation kind of uh dreamlike feel yeah. in at the home of golf i mean i'm you know quarantining my appropriate time and uh, once I, once I got out and moved around, I mean, I was there on a, uh, Sunday in St. Andrews when the most famous golf course in the world is famously closed and turned into a public park and, uh, just walked around the old course for like literally three hours, just looking at mm -hmm. every single hole and every single green from every single angle. And I had my yardage book out and a cup of coffee and, uh, just walked around and tried to stow away as much stuff for uh, the open as I possibly could. I've never, I, I don't know the last time, like, uh, well, actually I could tell you the last time I was this excited for a major would have been the 2015 open uh, also at St. Andrews where we all met we and bet. frequently Fact. blacked out uh, yeah. and had just an all time, po possibly my, my favorite week uh, of traveling uh, mm -hmm. in whatever it is that we do. That was, that was good stuff. But uh, yeah, just a, in, that's a rambling answer, but it was a, it was a trip full of, uh, multitudes. Certainly, uh, played the old course a couple times. I played Neil in a, uh, hickory match at the old course, which was a kind of a, a bucket list item. We've done that at a couple awesome places. We did it. Pinehurst number two was up there on that list. We did it at uh Wawashkimo in, in Michigan on tour sauce, uh, and being able to like play the old course with hickories. I know how hipstery and all that stuff it sounds, but it was a fucking blast to just be able to try to think your way around and like the bunkers are so much more in play and you're, you're just desperately trying to avoid them at all costs and kind of playing chess against yourself. Uh, I at least had to play chess against myself because I certainly couldn't play against Neil cause he beat the shit out of me. Um, so 
here, here to Neil on that one. Who could have envisioned that back in 2015, one day you would play Hickory's on the old course in a match where Neil would just not only like dominate you athletically, but intellectually. I know. Like just what a, what a world we were living in. It's it was a uh, a tour de force, tour de force. Yeah. It was uh, it was it came on the heels of uh, very long long story, but uh, we got locked out of our Airbnb, so we okay. we had secured a tea time on the you know with the ballot, and uh, we ended up very, very generously got invited to go have lunch at the RNA with some members and just having like the kids are just having an absolute day. Unbelievable absolute. day, right? We're mm-hmm. we have lunch at noon, uh, you know, have a bunch of drinks. Everybody's feeling pretty loosened up. We were having Airbnb that's like ninety seconds up the walk up the road. Uh and we're like, cool, we're just gonna pop up real quick and uh grab our clubs, change, and we'll be we'll see you guys on the first tee in a minute. And Walked back and uh, ended up getting locked out, uh, which was absolutely brutal. Uh, bad luck. There was a storm door situation. Somebody had pulled it closed. Not mm-hmm. good. Uh, I got shit on by a bird while we were standing there uh, waiting. Just absolutely good. like, yeah, you know, desperate whether we're going to make the tea time or not. Many people say it was good luck. It did not end up being good luck. Uh, and then uh, we ended up missing the first three holes while we're waiting to get to get let back in. So uh, Neil's first instance at the old course that was pretty devastated for for him but uh we're just like jogging up number one two and three uh with our little hickory bags on our our shoulder trying to catch up to uh the the rest of our twosome on number four so we started on four and i think through those 15 holes from the back tees with hickories neil was like four over or five over something like that like it was just astronomical golf so uh good for him but uh, yeah, uh, then we ended up meeting. I think the boys kind of covered it on the podcast last week. But uh, great trip with awesome people. Uh, you know, if you're if if you're so inclined in meeting some of those people, I would encourage you to join the nest. Uh, that's where a lot of those people all meet and came from. Uh, and yeah, man, it, it was it was really good until you know the whole COVID situation. But uh, we're back and we're better than ever. So ready for uh, ready for the next one. Went from like a you know, lost in translation type film to like a, you know, like a Wes Anderson situation of like running. To, yes, know, very much so. Yeah. yeah. Jogging down the nice of the RNA to like, you know, not, uh, I guess, you know, they just basically would have had that tea time would have been empty going forward through the three holes so that you could still run up and catch that space. Yeah. Uh, no, so. they were surprisingly uh, super laid back about it. Like, Oh yeah, cool. No, they'll just catch up to you. So great. Yeah. What a wonderful uh, thing that must have been. So, it, okay. it was great. It was great. So I, I man, the the grandstands are up. The golf course is playing awesome. I like. I could not be more excited for the open. Needs to when, needs to get here tomorrow. When the cat goes and plays and oh. wins, that you'll you'll know where all the putts break, and uh, you know it'll be. You can just take us through step by step. All right. Well, here's why Tiger hit that shot because uh, <laughs> last time I saw the cat, maybe not the last time, but. <laughs> the first major I think I saw him play in was the Open Championship at 15, and I walked with him for like the last four holes and wrote what I thought was like the cat obit. Yeah, <laughs> like one of know. many. Yeah, and uh, it was like really like one of my favorite things I've ever written, and it like ended in this sort of beautiful, poignant way of like, you know, isn't it, isn't it pretty to think so? The Hemingway line about like what what this could have been. Uh, and then he went and you know dunked on my face and won in one in nineteen. So maybe he can do it one more time. Okay. Hope I hope I would love to be there. Would, would watch, would watch, would watch, would read. 
Uh, Kevin, what a treat, man. Good to, uh, good to catch up. Appreciate you filling in, uh, you know, the bit of a replacements podcast tonight, but you know, I'd have it no other way. I always willing to, uh, you know, jump in and, uh, and be the the session player, uh, you know, (laughs) the wreck, the wrecking crew. Absolutely. You know, why, why not? It's sometimes you end up on a famous album, you know, if you're just in there, you know, just contributing. That's right. Well, yeah, I think we've got, we got a couple cuts that might make the record tonight, at least, you know, yeah, I, think we, I think we did you some know? good work. As long as, you know, the, the head man, the, the, uh, George Martin doesn't, you know, just overfill him with an orchestra or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Fingers you know, crossed. That'd be great. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we will, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks to everybody for listening and we will, uh, be back next week. Cheers. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.